0: Shri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Paramparā ki Jai, Radha Gupi Nāt ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktavrinda ki Jai, Gaur Premanande. Good evening, everyone. Nice to be here again. So I was told uh, that I should ask for questions, suggested. So, any questions? Sumati. First,
1: um, I was wondering about the chitta. Like, um, if somebody experiences childhood traumas, is that experience taken into in the citta, where it goes?
0: You know, the citta, the citta is c- one of f- four aspects of what's sometimes called the internal organ or antakarana. Anta, karana, subtle subtle body, if you will. So we have manas, chitta, buddhi, and ankar. So chitta is the is kind of like a mirror. Mahaprabhu describes it like this. Cheto, chetam is the same thing. Cheto darpana marjanam darpana. So the mirror of the chitta, hm uh He describes cleansing it. This is the first effect of Namsan Kirtan. Um, so the idea is that the jitta is kind of a sometimes it's described as consciousness because it's an it's an organ, if you will, subtle organ that affords perception. Hmm? So perception isn't all there is to consciousness. When we use the word consciousness a lot of people just identify it with perception. But it's identified with being, hmm? and perception is an aspect of it, just like, for example, there's light. It is luminous, and it illuminates other things that are not luminous. So the illumination feature of the light is like the perception feature of consciousness. And as illumination is an aspect of luminosity, so perception is an aspect of being or consciousness, which is luminous, and uh, and it is that which gives light, if you will, to the world, lights the world, hmm? um, gives posits meaning, and so on and so forth, and we are of that nature. So, the, this Antakarn is this subtle body, it's uh, just like, in a very broad sense, sometimes we say this, the mind is the... The sixth sense, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a peculiar type of a sense, if you will, in that it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. It takes the shape of a thing, mm-hmm. um, which our other senses don't do. They relay, if you will, messages, experiences, tactile experiences, audio experience, visual experiences. Of the world into the to the mind, which makes determinations about them—good or bad, happy, sad, and so forth. So this mind is takes the sh- could take the shape of a thing. So it's it's very um, kind of different than the other senses. Very subtle, and its subtleness in comparison to the other senses, and its subjective nature in comparison to the other senses. <laughs> so the mind is subjective but it's filled with the thoughts about the objective world, unfortunately. That's when the mind can become the enemy of the conditioned soul, or it can become the friend, when it's not filled with thoughts of the objective world or preoccupied with the objective world, but rather is being focused on spiritual pursuit. The mind is focused on Krishna and so forth. So, it's this. It, it can take. It, it can be harnessed to take us one way, or out of harness, um, unharnessed, and it can take us in the other direction, mm, downward, if you will, mm, and be the enemy of the conditioned soul, or upward, if you will, and be the friend. Um, so, so mind, and my point also is being a, being subjective. It's kind of like consciousness proper, like the atma which is purely subjective. Hmm. Is there, the word subjective and objective, unfortunately, have many different meanings and implications, but you have to catch the way in which I'm using it. Hmm. Matter being an object, consciousness being the subject that, it, that in, inspects it and uses it for its purposes, gives meaning to it, and so forth. So the subjective... Mind is, a, is, a, is, is subtle, subjective, hmm? but it's also material. Hmm? And it's primarily preoccupied, as I say, with the objective world, so it's full of material thoughts and so forth. Uh, but it can be spiritualized, if you will. Hmm? And um, meanwhile, consciousness is otherworldly altogether. It's not material, either gross or subtle. Hmm? But the mind being subjective is kind of of like the atma, and the whole antakaran subtle body is more like it. Therefore, for example, the subtle body continues after the demise of the gross body. People have near-death experiences, Hmm? and their experiences are all in the subtle body. Hmm? They're remembering their gross body, Hmm? and so forth, and... Uh, so, and then they, and of course it takes another body, and that's the vehicle. Hmm? Um, so, as the soul transmigrates hmm, from body to body, the subtle body is the vehicle. So, in that way, it's kind of like the soul, more than like gross matter, but it's neither. It's neither one. It's in between. And so, anyway, this one element of it, or organ of it, if you will, the chitta. Hmm? it's like organ of perception. So Mahaprabhu was compared to a, a, a mirror. So if you take a mirror and you place it in front of something, that's what will reflect on it. Hmm? So this chitta is, is reflecting on the world, getting impressions of the world through the senses and so forth and our actions and whatnot. And these impressions, they're called sanskars or vasanas. Hmm? And they predispose us to act in particular ways. Hmm? And so the idea of the sankirtan of Chaitanya aparu cheta Dharpana Marjana, Marjana means to cleanse to to clean the mirror of the mind or the chitta mind is a more you know very broad way of saying it. So cheto darpana Marjana, to cleanse the mirror of the chitta. Hmm? So they uh, this is the same idea in yoga in patanjali's yoga sutras chitta Britini Rodha as the goal, that the vrittis, vrittis mean the same thing, scars, impressions, they're like waves on a quiet ocean. Suddenly the waves come. So there's this tossing and to- turning in our lives, if you will, that's going on in the chitta, And we're getting seasick from that, um, so to speak. That's the picture of the world that we have. Hmm? And uh, it's like sort of like a virtual reality. You're plugged in, and something's going on on the screen, and you're identified with it, and uh, experiencing it as if it's happening to you, without knowing that you could get up and turn the computer off and, and so forth. That you're not the chitta, you're not the body, and so on. So, so to to the, the cleansing of the chitta, yes, is the answer to your question. Of course, psychological. Uh, events, traumatic events in childhood or at, at, at any time, they affect the chitta. They cause impressions on the chitta, and this very much determines how we will act, what we will do, and and so forth. Um, and we become predisposed in a certain way. The idea is to fortify the buddhi, hmm? Hmm? the which is the discriminating f- faculty, with. Uh, that's why Krishna says, for example, in the Gita, that those who study this Gita, these, these words of mine in every way, studying all the meanings and so on and so forth, worship me with their intellect. Hmm? So with a spiritualized intellect, then we can function in relation to proper spiritual discrimination rather than according to the scars. but that's easier said than done. Hmm? So, so we need to cleanse the chitta. Hmm? So those samskars are gone. We have to, and the way we do that in bhakti, as opposed to yoga, um, astanga yoga, is that we, in in effect, we invoke the bhakti uh, samskar. We want a bhakti samskar, hmm? bhakti bhakti riti hmm? So we want sadhusanga, and in the context of sadhusanga, we hear, we chant, and so forth. Worship and we get a bhakti Sankar, and then we we start to act that way naturally mm. as a default without thinking about it, so to speak uh, we develop sukriti and ultimately taste for bhakti and so forth so uh, these impressions impressions are something that come from outside mm. so our bhakti is ours as much as we. Have had association with bhakti, and we get bhakti. And now it's our bhakti, coming from the association that we get. And these samskars. So if you associate with devotees, advanced devotees who have real feeling for Krishna, some samskar for that for for bhakti and for the feelings that they have, they're also going to come in your chitta and will show up later as if it's my choice. I want to serve Krishna in this way. It's actually coming. The genesis is from association. So, bhakti begets bhakti. Bhakti sanjataya bhaktiya. So, by association, we two things occur. By association with devotees, sadhusanga, which is the the janma, the, uh, the the mool, the, the root, the birth of of bhakti, as Krishnasvaruparash explains, and he uses those words and it's explained over and over again, everywhere, but. <laughs> We miss it sometimes, but so so by this uh, this sadhusanga, we get impressions for bhakti. We start to become engaged in bhakti, and while positive impressions are coming on, and bhakti's coming within us, sadhana bhakti begins. It's kind of imitation imitation of a good thing is a good thing. You go through it mechanically with the senses and so forth. Uh, there's change, but no no bhava, no emotion, little. Hmm? Uh, Baba bhakti, then the, the bhakti is fully alive and, and uh, um, operative, and takes over the chitta. Hmm? Um, so two things are going on. There's the the cleansing. Bhakti enters and cleanses the samskaras, scars, hmm? material samskaras. scars. Hmm? and and meanwhile, bhakti samskars are coming hmm? and as that all matures, what not then we have a, we have a, we we develop a spiritual persona hmm? now we have a material persona, the word person incidentally um, because i've described the jiva as a living entity, you might have heard the term which probably used which was more literal of a translation a living entity hmm? somebody wanted to say to me that that the, 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 the jeev is a person hmm? I said yeah but it's a living entity and, and the person its personality if you will is relative to its association if it associates with material nature it will have a material personality we call it a false ego If it associates with the sarup shakti, which is bhakti, it will develop a spiritual personality. Sometimes we call it a sarup. But, but, um, of course, the jiva is Tatasta, so it's never outside of either of these two situations, hmm? other than when it's in susupti, in rest, inside of Vishnu who's resting, and everything goes to rest then in this world, and your material persona is suspended, like it is when you go to sleep. Hmm. except this is a deep sleep where there's no dreams either, susupti. So the jiva-satastam, it's never really in any situation independent of being associated with the maya-shakti or the jiva-shakti, or or the srupa-shakti. And so if we are fortunate to have the association of srupa-shakti in the form of bhakti through sadhu-sangha, then we develop, start to develop a, a spiritual uh, persona. Hmm. And, uh, of course, so there, there's a point where it's an in-between stage where you have bhakti-samskars, hmm. and you have material samskars. Hmm. And now I meet you and I see, oh, there's something about you that is material in your persona, and there's something about you that's spiritual in your persona, hmm. coming through. Hmm. Um, that's what we call a sadhakadeha, a, sp- a, s- a practitioner's body. It's a work in progress. It's our senses are sometimes attracted to sense objects and we pursue them in pursuit of the ideal of the material mind, and sometimes they're in touch with spiritual sense objects in the pursuit of the ideal of my prospect in bhakti. Hmm? When the latter becomes predominant and the former retired, the sadaka Deva becomes perfect, perfected, and the sadaka deha even will express likes and dislikes all relative to the spiritual reality. So there are desires in the spiritual world. Hmm? Like I said, some cowards like mangoes, some like bananas. But this is all in the context of, for example, sakirasa, whatever the rasa may be, but I just gave that example. And sakirasa is holy pleasing to Krishna, or Madhurya Rasa, wholly pleasing to Krishna. Hmm? This is, I'm speaking from the Abed, from the Abed perspective, from the Abed perspective, from the non-different perspective, all the jivas in in the spiritual world, in leela are all instruments to which God's playing out his desires.
2: Hmm?
0: There's many desires, he's playing them out, experiencing himself hmm? through the willing jivas. But from the Bait perspective, which is a difference, that's the non-dual. Hmm? And then from the uh, from the two dual perspective, the Jivas have their own desires. Hmm? You understand? Very curious idea. Hmm? So the, the Jiva is a constituent of will, free will, and it's facilitated by the Srupa Shakti, by Bhakti. The Maya Shakti, on the other hand, doesn't facilitate the free will. It tends to override the free will in such a way that we end up just well, we made choices and now the choices are echoing and mm-hmm. and uh, we're following them and we become more like like inanimate, if you will, mm, unable to choose. But in the Sarup Shakti, there's freedom for choosing, mm, facilitates, all for the pleasure of Krishna. So the choosing is all within the context of the Svarupa Shakti. Mm? So, um, so the prasana, I was saying that, and I'll just conclude with this point, the persona, someone told me, well, the jiva is a person. I said, well, yeah, kind of. The jiva has the capacity to have a persona. Hmm? And he wants to say, no, it is a person. So, But no, it's not like that, in, in that there's, no, there's either material desires or there's spiritual desires. You can only have one or the other. So if you don't have material desires, and you don't have spiritual desires, and you want to separate out the jiva from the maya shakti, Separate out the jiva from the sarup shakti, or bhakti. what have you got? Hmm? What, you have a unit of desiring capacity, but there's nothing to desire because there's no environment. Hmm? There's nothing to choose. Environments provide choices, difference, and so forth. Hmm? So it's not that, and it's not that some jivas like chocolate and some like, you know, vanilla. Hmm? It's not like that. Hmm. But Ajiva comes from the Paramatma and he's characteristically equal to everyone. The witness. Hmm. Paramatma is the ideal of, the, of of yoga and it co- culminating in Shantarasa. Hmm. It would be the high end of Astanga Yoga. Hmm. Shantarasa. And he's a witness. He witnessed the witness. Inactive. Hmm? Witness the witness. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's equal. The point is, he's not biased. Krishna's biased. Hmm? He's partial to his devotees. Hmm? If you offend them, he'll come after you. Hmm? Chase after Bhishma, one devotee, <laughs> over another devotee, even. Hmm? Uh, with the wheel of the chariot in defense of Arjuna. This is very charming. Hmm? It's a very beautiful thing. This is this is spiritual bias. Hm? The whole of the spiritual world of Leela, which the Paramatma per se is not involved in. He involved in the Shrishti Lila as a witness. Witnessing the Jiva's interaction with Maya, sanctioning. Hmm? Through his devotees, God's devotees, mercy is given and blessing of Bhakti, and then they can enter into the world of bhakti where there's now bias. Hmm? So some devotees like Ram, some like Krishna, these are prejudices that are beautiful, charming, they ornament the, the, the spiritual world. It's one, they're all for God, hmm? all in different ways, and that all relative to the association they've had, hmm? the culture hmm? of that association, known and unknown, <laughs> whether you realize or not, and we're cultivating that. Hmm? So, so outside of these two environments, there's no person, and the word person hmm, is actually comes from persona, persona, and uh, it, it really refers back to the Greek times where a persona was a excuse me a mask. Hmm? You put on a mask. You had a persona. Hmm? And you sounded through. It It really, it really, literally means sound through. Hmm? Sound through. So you have an environment and then you sound through it. Hmm? You desire in the context of the environment and that's what a person is. You see, so it's all relative <laughs> to the environment, your personality. Now the beauty, of course, of the spiritual environment of bhakti, hmm? the environment of the sarup shakti, the beauty of it is that this is a is a fully subjective environment. Is fully, it, it's fully it's chit, chit shakti. Like and we are also chit chak, chit, chit kana, chakti, a, a particle of chit shakti. In other words, we're we're not achit. We're conscious. We're not inert. Hmm? And so, what, when we because we're so, we cannot really interface very well with the Maya shakti, because hmm? it's achit. It's Assad. It's Nirananda. We are such it Ananda. It's 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 very artificial. You can't. It it's it's very. Um, uh, it's like trying to mix whatever bananas and oranges or something like that. But mixing with the sarup shakti, now, that's another thing because it's also chit. So that mingling, if you will with the Sarup shakti that bhakti is the essence of. An ex- example of that, what does it mean? Because we're saying here, you put on a mask, you have a material body, and we're taught that you're not the body, right? You're not that body. Now I'm saying, you get a body constituted of Sarup shakti you say, well, I'm not that body either, hmm? Right? You mean my spiritual body, I'm not that? It's it's Sarup shakti I'm tathasta-shakti, so I'm not that body either? No, you are that body in that these two, they can intermingle in a way that we cannot intermingle with the Maya Shakti. What is the example? The example I like to give is the intermingling of love. So you fall in love with someone, right? You're the same person. You're not a different person, but you're a different person. She's a different person. It's the same person, same name, same DNA or whatever, but different psychologically. Her persona has changed, hmm? and for the better, hopefully. Hmm? All right. So you, you fall in love with Krishna, if you will. Krishna re, 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 reciprocates, responds. And so there's a relationship, and the jiva becomes more. Hmm? Well, not be, doesn't become the Swarup Shakti, hmm? but it it becomes more than what it was. Hmm? It has Atmananda, the joy of the self. It's a unit of At- Ananda, but now it has Bhakti Ananda. So, if I love myself, that's good. You know, I feel good about myself. In other words, psychologically, is, uh, and we should love ourselves in one sense because we do love ourselves because. Everything that we love is ours and the reason we think it's ours is because we've projected ourselves into it. So it's my house, therefore I love it. What I really love is me. That's why I don't necessarily love your house. Unless you are my friend. And now I love your house because I'm in it too. So what's really lovable in the world is the Atma. How matter is not lovable that it can't reciprocate. So, we really do love ourselves. You can play that out metaphysically, as I just did, or obviously psychologically, in a healthy way, or psychologically in an unhealthy way. You could love yourself and be uh, narcissistic, and so forth. Hmm. Um, Which would be a a persona disorder. (laughs) But, but, uh, but, but, but loving oneself even in, in a healthy psychological way and in a mature and realized metaphysical way like Sukadev did, Atmaram, so he was a self-lover. Hmm. He was self- that is one thing. But if you could repose all your, all your loving capacity, your Ananda, in another... Hmm? then your capacity to love is enhanced. So the significant other, if you will, in the consciousness world, that's what we mean by Krishna. He's the perfect example of that, the perfect object of love. Hmm? So when we repose our loving capacity in him, hmm, then we develop a spiritual persona in relation to him. But that is a real persona, because it's its not asat. Asat means it's not real, means it undergoes transformation, birth, growth, death hmm here today, gone tomorrow sat means it doesn't transform hmm. it's not here today and gone tomorrow hmm. so that persona is not going away hmm. and uh you've ch- you've chosen, if you will in the context of the opportunity that's been afforded you of bhakti and as a result of that choice and the maturation of your bhakti, you attend pream, you're fully satisfied, there's no going anywhere else. Hmm. There is no thought of anything else. That's the very nature of pream. Hmm. So that persona is therefore in, enduring, if you will. And it's all that you could could be, so to speak. Hmm. It's you, in a metaphysical sense, ontologically speaking, falling in love. Hmm. So that's we have only a facsimile of that, obviously, in this in this world. But it's instructive if we look at it in relation to the teachings, and we can draw from the material world insights about the nature of the spiritual world, obviously. Hmm. So our idea is to put the bhakti britti on the chitta. Hmm. And this, this fully occurs in Bhava Bhakti. Therefore, it says, Sudha Sattva Visheshatma Prema Suryamsu bhak That this Bhava Bhakti is, the, is, the, is a ray of the sun of Prem making its ingress into the Jiva. Sudha Sattva Visheshatma. Sudha means Sandini, pure existence. Visheshatma means a particular combination of. The samvit and ladini. Samvit is a knowing, and ladini is a corresponding feeling of ecstasy. So according to the knowing, it comes in a particular way based on association. I know I am the lover of Krishna. I know I am the friend of Krishna. I know myself in that way. And there's a corresponding ladini, ecstasy. So just a ray of this prospect, hmm, that is Prem, the son of Prem, dawns in the heart. It's already there. Srubshak is already you're already in touch with Bhakti, but it, it, now it, it it's in Baba Bhakti. It's 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 fully made its ingress into the heart. All that all those ritis, songs, material samskaras, song all all cheto darpana's all cleansed away. Hmm? Hmm? And. As it's being cleansed away, there's some, some, some taste is coming. Shreya Kaya Rava Chandrika Vataranam, Vidyavadu Jeevanam, and Anandam And Vartanam. Entries into Bhava Bhakti, ocean of Ananda. And then that, uh, that, that persona, if you will, is, 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 is uh, it's cultivated there. So, Sudha Satva Vishayasatma Prema Suryamsu what is it? What is the next line? Ruchi beast chinnamastri hmm? Ruchi means that that it that it takes over the mind. Hmm? What's the next one? Mucruchi beast chinnamastri na. Kritaaso hmm? Babauchitai. So this is Baba. So it, it, it means it, it it rides on the mind, it takes over the mind. Hmm? And so, according to how the bhava takes over the mind, then the devotee will act, he might preach in a certain way. Hmm? Prabhupada directing Krishna, Krishna directing Prabhupada's preaching in a certain way. Don't blame, blame Prabhupada. <laughs>
2: don't
0: blame Krishna. <laughs> blame Bhakti. taking... And appropriate for the time and circumstance, and effective, and so forth. So this is the idea. Hmm. This is some practical answer. Yeah. So
1: it's so it's ultimately by the ingress of bhakti. Yeah. That the chitta is cleanse. It isn't by any work that we do.
0: Well, we do the work. You know, we make bhakti yeah. come. We do. It, we endeavor for to take advantage of the. Of the mercy of bhakti, right? We endeavor for mercy, for grace, and we, you know, that's the heart of the whole affair. We, we chant here like that. We practice. Um but then so we, many
1: of us do, like you know, go to counselors or therapists to try to get rid of the. You do. The, and the traumas.
0: Or, those are not going to, you know, really they're not going to cleanse the chitta. It's kind of like rewiring your brain or something like that, or. I mean, it, it's like okay. So you know, you broke your arm. You go to a doctor, right? We don't chant Hare Krishna. Just chant, and it'll go away. No. So psychologically, you may have some um, dysfunction or some some type of impediment. That's that's. Well, you have to understand it like this. Spiritual life is for human beings, for hands-on practice now bhakti is such that even animals and plants could take advantage of it right hmm. you could milk a cow and offer her milk to krishna and okay that's great you can chant and uh, the birds can hear the chanting hmm. so now if you can chant very powerfully like mahaprabhu then you can cause animals tigers and and deers to kiss one another and, and ch- chant Hare krishna and embrace in the forest but Most devotees can't do that. Um, hmm. So, for the most part, therefore, we say, bhakti, or spiritual practice in general in any tradition, is for human beings. Hmm. It really, what distinguishes us from the less complex forms of life is intelligence, but more so how we use our intelligence. Because if we use our intelligence just to find better so-called ways to satisfy our senses, we're really just a big animal. An intelligent, or maybe a less intelligent, animal, because you've got intelligence, which you could use for another purpose to separate yourself from animality, hmm? right? To control your mind and your senses. And, but if you if, so, just the fact that you have intelligence doesn't separate you from the animal kingdom, but how you use the intelligence, hmm? right? So if we use it for loving, for being kind, and ultimately, loving means for loving God. Hmm. This is the proper use of intelligence. This this is for human beings. So, spiritual life is for human beings, for the hands-on practice. Now, how human are you? That's the question. Hmm. How human are you? Um, That will determine how well-suited you are to engage in hands-on practice. So, you have a physical dimension to your material self and you have a psychic dimension. Hmm? And so and the psychic dimension is more important. Hmm? If you have everything in the world but your mind is disturbed, you can't be happy. If your mind is peaceful but you have nothing, then life works, right? So the mind is 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 is, is, is central. Hmm? And so, the psychic side of ourselves, hmm, as healthy as it is, let's say psychologically, and well-balanced, understanding motives, and so on and so forth, arguably the more human you are. And we see that. We say, that, that guy's an animal, you know, or whatever. Hmm? People act in ways that, that are subhuman, Right? And what 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 kind of, what do they need? They need some kind of counseling. They need a counseling. Don't you realize, you have to say to them, come here. And you pinch them. Ah, they say. <laughs> Why did you do that? You don't like it? Hmm? No, I don't. Hmm? Well, you pinch me now. Ah, I don't like it either. Hmm? You have to teach them. That's like right. So like, you know, if, if you don't like being pinched other people don't like to be pinched hmm? so don't pinch other people does that help
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is therapy
0: 108 <laughs> I mean there are people that pinch other I mean they steal they do you know they hurt other people they they don't have know, know the boundaries they just think hey you know I'm so, Let's check it out. Private? Who cares? You know? We're going in there. You know. <laughs> check it. And so uh, people don't know their boundaries, and so you've got to teach them. Hmm? They're like wild animals. They're, they're subhuman. So this is the way we humanize them, if you will. We we address their psyche, hmm? which you, you can't address the animal's psyche to the same extent, right? So. Arguably, then, a psychologically healthy and well-balanced person is more human hmm? and therefore in a better position to take advantage of hands-on spiritual practice. hmm? So, yeah, sometimes you you go to counseling and so on and so forth and it helps you become more more human. It's not going to directly increase your bhakti, but the more human you are, the more you're arguably able to take advantage of the practice. And that's why we say, to use another uh, example, well, the sattvic person can take advantage of bhakti better than the person who's primarily influenced by Rajas or Thomas. Raj or Tamaguna, right? Hmm? So therefore, in Raja and Tamaguna, Tamaguna's influence is about pleasuring yourself. Rajaguna is about uh, improving the material situation, you know. Without, you know, it can't be improved ultimately, to, you know, to the fullest. But you you, know, you keep trying and moving up the social ladder, and all this is it. Rajaguna and so forth. And sattva-guna is clarity, peacefulness. It's a it's a clear um, understanding, at least theoretically, of the difference between matter and consciousness. Hmm. Um so a sattvic person he said, Tadara bhava hmm? gradually he comes to Satva well ultimately he's talking about Sudhasattva, but anyway, Sattva Gun, you understand the point. The person a Brahman is arguably more fully Human, in a sense, hmm? can teach the other humans. Was, was the idea hmm? um, about all types of things and set it an example of what human life is for, and be able to practice it hmm? that much better. Have a tendency for it, a sunskara for it, and so forth. Hmm? The sutras sunskara will be in a you know in a different direction hmm? for pleasuring themselves. Hmm? And uh, and the 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 the, the, the chaturi types, psych- these are psychological types, basically. So the you know, people say sometimes you hear devotees are against psychology, but they, that they're for the they're for the varnashram. <laughs> Just, they don't they don't understand that 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 the varnashram is about psychology. Hm. That's what it's about, hmm? and about balancing the psychology in such a way that people can. Most readily apply themselves effectively um, in their field and thus thereby feel some material satisfaction about themselves within limits and thus not being bothered by being materially out of balance, they're in a better position to pursue their spiritual life. So, and that it should be said here that a Sudra or a Vaishya, for example, Hmm? While dominated by the by by Thomas and and Rajas, if the idea of the Varnashram as a, from a psychological point of view is if a person is governed by the Tamagun primarily psychologically and physiologically, they should be engaged in a certain way. And the scripture gives a prescription for that. And if they are, that's sattvic. You understand? That's sattvic for them, hmm? given their situation, and then they can feel, you know, you, you can be a sudra and be a really happy person, you know, huh? and servant, serving others and, and you're just happy doing that and that's your your dharma and then and you can pursue spiritual life. Uh, no no problem. Hmm? I mean, and so there you find, for example, you find, well, anyway, yeah, so, the, so it's the same idea. Hmm? It's how we look at... Uh, Psychology from the Vedic kind of perspective. It's obviously the modern psychology has different terminology and it's more uh, sophisticated in a way. Um, you know, you, you, but you know, you say there's the four Varnas, right? right? There's 400,000 Varnas in India. You, you, you look at the damn, even at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this type of Brahmin couldn't eat in that kind of Brahmin's house, in this kind of, you know, it's like sub Brahmin, you know, this, that, and it, it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah. so, <laughs> and now, what is it? Close Sudra, some of us, so chanting Krishna, but but go to go to counseling too. <laughs> Get your counseling, and, and, and it's about uh, becoming uh, a sattvic, knowing yourself. Hmm? Sattvaguna is characterized characterized by happiness and knowledge. I know myself. People say you you don't know yourself. You don't know your boundaries. You let people overrun you and then, you and then you know, um, or you override other people and they're like, hey, like, you know, <laughs> and it's, that's uncomfortable and so forth. So knowing yourself, sattva is knowing. And knowing, it's a knowledge, brings happiness. So some material contentedness, not that we rest with that, that's the vertical, the horizontal development. Now you got the horizontal development in place, jump. Got two feet on the ground, jump up and touch the stars. But don't try with one foot. Well, you can try with one foot. You might as well, you know, got to start somewhere. And, and if you fall down, well, you start again. But at least you tried and you got a sun scar for it. But but people wonder why they're jumping up and falling on their butt instead of touching the moon or the stars. Hmm? Sometimes because they're not able to access bhakti as effectively as they could if they were more human, because hmm? it's for humans.
2: Hmm?
0: And some will progress more slowly, some will progress more, more readily and so forth. So this is how you integrate your spiritual practice with modern sensibilities. Hmm? You can't invoke the Varnashram, and neither is... You know, there are different realms. Bhakti and Varnashram are two different paths. But the essence of the Varnashram, I'm talking about what, what it's dealing with the psych, psychic dimension of the, of the human condition and so forth, any number of ways to do with that to do that mm-hmm. so we should help one another become whole humans and in the context of that and serve Krishna mm-hmm. that's what I was saying the other day on Prabhupada if you want to serve Prabhupada serve him with your whole humanity now you're 660 now you're 72 72 years old you know so when did you meet Prabhupada how old were you then Twenty six. 26 so you know a lot more right in general. <laughs> but Prabhupada aside, you know a lot more. I mean, you know, you've been in the world for a long time. So you're gonna use all that maturity and so forth. Not pretend you're twenty six and act with Prabhupada like you were twenty six. He does he wants all your wisdom and experience and the wholeness of your person that's developed over all these years to be employed in his service. He wants you to say, But Prabhupada. That might not work if we say like that. Oh really? right what how should we say like this okay thank you that's the kind of information I'm looking for that's what Prabhupada wanted from us fortunately you weren't able to give too much of that so hmm. So, what else Um, I've been
2: thinking
1: about how you've been dealing with this problem of evil by stating that Everything is always existing, Krishna and his energies. Mm. So, the material world exists, Maya Shakti exists, the Jiva Shakti exists, and therefore there's no blame on God for the issue of uh, karma and difficulty because he has to be merciful and just.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that said, uh, there's still an issue... Still, karma would be an an issue, and that's the it seems to be the the core thing when you're dealing with the problem of evil. It's like, well, if God had not, if if karma wasn't there, we wouldn't have this problem of suffering, and we're suffering. Why is God allowing that? So, um, even though everything is there. If you still have the question, well, couldn't something have been arranged so that it's not just suffering for us to learn?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the point is that that Krishna um, has to... Krishna exists, and that's all that exists. Mm-hmm. This is our teaching. So, you are Krishna. Thank you very much. Put that on, send that out now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll definitely won't let me in the temple. Uh, So, Krishna, but Krishna means with the shakti. So, like, like I said, I gave the example: fire has heat and light. Fire has sparks. Fire has smoke. Right?
1: So, Maya
2: shakti has karma.
0: No, not exactly, but yeah, kind of. So, so it's all there, right? The the smoke is the Maya shakti. The sparks are the chitta or the, the, excuse me, the jiva-shakti, the heat and the light is the Sarup shakti and the fire is Krishna. The heat and light is different from the fire? We say, yeah, kind of. That means the Sarup shakti is very close to Krishna. Hmm? More one with Krishna than different Sarup shakti hmm? But nonetheless, there is fire, there is heat and light, now the separation is getting stronger, there's, there's, there's spark... And the smoke, I can definitely differentiate that from the fire, although you can't have smoke without fire, right? You can't have sparks without fire. Smoke is dependent on the fire. Sparks are dependent on the fire. The heat and lights dependent on the fire. Hmm? So it's all one composite. That's what there is. And so, so the jivas <laughs> at the Maya Shakti, they... And they have some jivas, the Buddha jivas. Hmm? So, you know, you have Krishna, you know, different forms and so forth, dealing with his different, interacting with his different energies. So Krishna relates with his Sarupa Shakti, right? Intimately, like with Radha, for example. But, you know, he's very kind to kind of like the, Ugly duckling, duckling of you know of Maya Shakti. You know he can't just turn away from her. He he he. She, she, so he 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 relates with her appropriately. Hmm? And he relates with her by not interfering with her when the jivas exploit the material nature. Hmm? She gets a payback. That's what's called karma. Hmm? So he doesn't. If he interferes with that, then Maya Shakti is like left out of the picture. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she has no meaning. If he, if he, if Krishna does away with, liberates all the jivas, and then, then, then what's he going to do to extinguish the Maya Shakti? So see, so it, in, in our experience is what our experience is that 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 we interact with matter, and it's troublesome. It never quite fully works out. Hmm? That's our experience. We we've been doing that since forever. We have no other experience. That's our experience. Hmm? And Krishna is honoring the influence of the Maya Shakti. The jivas are choosing in relation to Maya Shakti, so they're getting particular responses back. He he, he as Vishnu he he honors it. He, he he he's just. It's just you took and now you owe it's just a fact. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time Bhagawan's devotees are in the world and through the agency of his devotees he's he's blessing as many people as he can and, and intervening giving mercy mercy is overriding the justice you cannot have mercy without justice you say why doesn't he just give mercy to everybody well first of all there's an infinite number of people so there's no everybody's all done now yet this doesn't doesn't work like that liberate all the jivas. that there's an infinite number of them so The work is never over. Hmm? It never will be over. Will they all ever be liberated? You can't even think about it. Hmm? Will all the Jeevas be liberated? There's an infinite number of them. So there's just an ongoing... Therefore, it's compared to breathing. Get used to it. It's just what it is, you know. God breathes. God is. God breathes. The world's compared to... Exhalation is inhalation. Expanding universe, the collapsing universe. Hmm? And karma is the kind of thing... that. That is the glue. That that is kind of a, not a great glue, but it you know it <laughs> sticks the jivas with the Maya. Uh, they, they, so they're bond. There's a bonding. A, the bonding agent, glue, is karma. Hmm? And he he doesn't directly interfere with it. Um, he he honors Maya Shakti, but then behind her back he goes and sends his devotees. <laughs> his devotees are really kind of like, in a sense, they're in a sense they're independent. They bestow bhakti. If they give bhakti to somebody, Krishna has to go to that person. He has no choice in the matter. He has to go. So they are his kripa shakti. He says to my, hey, I didn't do it. I honored the karma. But the devotees, there they are. And, and they're, they're doing this. They're They're showing mercy. So it's just one big organic thing that's, that's going on, hmm? and uh, there's no beginning to the Vishnu's breathing as any more than there's the beginning to Vishnu. So there's no beginning to karma. The worlds come and go, but there's no beginning to that coming and going. Hmm? So you keep wanting that your mind keeps wanting to think. Well, still, you know, we're making these choices, but we were here to begin with. So, God's at fault, but he's not at fault because he didn't set it up like that. Just the way it is. Therefore, my point is, it's his character is not determined by what he makes, but with how he deals with what is. Hmm? He didn't make it like that. You can say, well, why didn't God make Himself other than what He is? <laughs> you know, like that's just like uh, we don't ask questions like that. We deal with how the thing is. Why wasn't it? Why wasn't God different? You know, why didn't God have a? a you know. A, Another Shakti, you know. You can't ask questions like that. We're just ascertaining the nature of the situation and then how the Godhead is relating to it, dealing with it. See, in in the way he deals with it, it's very exemplary. Hmm? He shows shows justice. He shows mercy. You can't have mercy without justice. He has to have both. He does. It's very... I mean, he's expert in, 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 in a sense. It's one of his qualities. Expert. He satisfies maya. He pleases the jivas. Hmm. It's not his fault that the jivas that 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 some jivas are are are, are a certain type of jivas. Hmm. There's Mahavishnu, and his jurisdiction is the material world. Out of joy, he becomes many. Hmm. The many are small. Material energy is big. There's a problem. He avatars to try to remedy it. He sends his devotees, Hmm? just going on and on like this forever. Hmm? God's good. Hmm? There's no evil. What do they say? There's no evil. There's no. What is that saying? There's no. Is there? Is there darkness? No. There's only absence of light. Right from a physics point of view, there is no darkness. There's only absence of light. Therefore, there is no evil only absence of love of God in the heart. If there's love of God in the heart, there can't be any evil. There is no evil. There's only absence of love of God in the heart. Hmm? You know, we're trying to put love of God in the heart of ourself. <laughs> and in the context of that, share it with others. So, here also, it's important to stress that, that our shraddha, which gives us Eligibility to tread the path of bhakti in the first place is such that our faith is such that we know there are things, fortunately, that are beyond the mind's capacity to digest. Hmm? Thank God. Hmm? That there are things that are inconceivable to the mind, which is such a small, petty thing. Hmm? And, and those things that don't quite fit between the ears, hmm, that no explanation will fully satisfy that mind, stop trying to please, you know, stop trying to, I'm not criticizing your chest, I'm saying in general, don't try to, stop trying to make everything fit to the intelligence and then it's subordinated to the intelligence. The whole teaching is stop doing that. That's not working. That, that, that won't work. And if you insist, on fitting everything inside your intelligence perfectly, you've just done yourself out of spiritual life altogether because you've just subordinated everything to reason hmm? and intellect. hmm? The teaching is there's something beyond reason and it's love, which knows no reason. hmm? If you want everything to fit into reason, you've just done away with love. You you just shot yourself in the foot hmm? in the name of trying to Understand love, hmm. you know. It's like the apple. What's an apple? What's an apple? No, I, I want to know what it is before I taste it. <laughs> Good luck, you know. You can reason about it. It's made out of this. It's got this kind of sugars. It's got this kind of you know this kind of, and then you find and there's thousands of different kinds of apples. Oh God, and then they analyze all that. What does it mean? And you never know. You could know everything physically about an apple. Hmm. But one taste of it, and all that knowledge is, is meaningless. I know what an apple is now. Throw all that out. And all of that can't give you any semblance even of, of what it is to know an apple, hmm? right? So this is the problem with the intellect. And so we're taught from the onset there are things that are beyond the intellect, and we thank God for that. Hmm? Hmm? It's our self and the Godhead hmm? and the relationship with love that, 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 that transcends reason. And so, certain things are, how are they to be answered by Shastra? Therefore, Shastra sometimes just says, this is the way it is. And you go, but could you, uh, class over, no questions. <laughs> it's like that. So, for example, the, the, the Shastras come with this. Loka tu lila the sutras say. And the one, Loka Lila lila for the For the sake of Lila, the one became many. Hmm? It, it means he had no reason, no need to do it. Leela means I have no necessity. Hmm? Out of joy, out of being so full, the one said, let me become many. Now, it's not an event in time. Hmm? There's this overarching cyclical time and then there's linear time within that. So we have the universe's coming and going. There's beginnings to the comings and goings, but there's no beginning to the comings and goings. Each coming and going has a beginning and end, but there's no beginning to the collective comings and goings. Hmm? So the one becomes many, but he did that before too. <laughs> He's been doing that forever. So, you know, we're limited by language to talk about things that transcend language and intellect and so forth. So the, the, the idea of the sutras is he had nothing to accomplish. There was the, Brahman is full. There's nothing lacking in the absolute. Hmm? So there's a kind of movement in the absolute that is not out of want or necessity like our movement. It is the movement of fullness to move, and we call it leela, play. Hmm? So when 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 Mahavishnu wanted to play, he had to have someone to play with. I guess you could say become many. Lokavat hmm? kai mm-hmm. Now the reason this verse is, this is being stated um, is to bear down on the question of whether God is partial or impartial. So then the sutras say, well, God made the world not out of any necessity, but it looks like he's partial to some, because some are born with a silver spoon in their mouth and some are born impoverished and so forth. And so the sutras reply, no, that's karma. Hmm? God is just, he doesn't interfere with the karma. Jivas make choices, this is answered in the fifth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. The same, what I'm talking about from Vedanta Sutras, it's right there in the fifth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? And so, no, it's, it's, God's not responsible hmm, for the sufferings and the enjoyment, so-called, of the jivas. Hmm? That's karma. Okay, and then the sutras say, well, what about at the beginning, though? When karma first began, and the sutras say, Anadi. Next question. It means there was no beginning. Anybody, anything else? And that's just okay. But I want a beginning. <laughs> but there is no beginning. Are there any other questions? It's like that. And it doesn't quite fit. Like, there's no beginning. Everything has to have a beginning. Uh, no. It's okay. Keep breathing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no beginning. Hmm? It's just going, like the, like the ocean is coming, waves and coming and they keep coming and they keep coming. You have to sit. You sit in the ocean, just look at the waves and you'll realize, I realize everything I'm saying. Hmm? There's just no end. There's no end. Hmm? Like, I like when I was a kid, Siddhartha, listen to the river. Listen to the river. How do you listen to the river? What oh, will you hear? it's about the nature of the world it gets out of our head so to speak and the way we want to confine things with beginnings and ends and, and so that it all fits but you don't really want everything to fit in your head <laughs> because it's so small <laughs> it would be uncomfortable you really want to go beyond it but then you're 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 so accustomed to thinking that knowing is derived from fitting something in your head and arresting it with your the fist of your intellect. And the Bhagavatam is teaching you, sorry. Hmm? It's a big bashing of the intellect. And you have to use your intellect to get bash it, to, to get bashed. You study it very carefully and realize I'm using my intellect to study this very carefully, and it's giving a good beating to my intellect. It's beating it down. Hmm. It's, it's very important because this intellect is very subtle, hmm? but it's as avaricious and has as much of an appetite as your tongue or your belly. Hmm? And it's very pathetic actually to see someone fully a slave of their intellect. It's very—it's uh, like I feel very empathetic <laughs> towards them. I know the power of intellect to see someone as a slave of that, in, and in all and often in the name of spiritual life also. Oh, it's very sad. Mm -hmm. It's a a hard thing to harness, and it should be needs to be harnessed and used in bhakti, in service. Mm -hmm. And so, in the way, one of the ways is is to you know to study the scripture, for example, under good guidance, and then you keep getting these keep getting punched in the nose, so to speak, with your intellect. It's being used to its fullest capacity and it's also being put in its place at the same time. And it says, this you will know by going there. and This is how you go there. And you can't know before going there. So hmm? We have to know enough to, to have the impetus. So sometimes there would be provisional answers just so that you can get over something and get on with it. Hmm? The idea being in such a strategy, you get on with it, you get some deeper experience of what it means to be a so hm? then you can come back and get a more comprehensive answer to something that previously you couldn't. Hmm? We see that. So the teachers will sometimes teach provisionally. Hmm? Prabhupada did it. Prabhupada said, for example, yes, Christ, Krishna, no difference. Okay, you want to talk about that in the back room <laughs> with Prabhupada? And he says, What's some kind of a mystic yogi or something? He's healing people and stuff? We don't do that. <laughs> so you see that he, you know, evolved kind of provisional strategies for talking with people. Don't think he didn't do it with you. <laughs> Unless you think you're super qualified, therefore he didn't have to do that with you. Then you put yourself way up, Right? You think you're putting Prabhupada way up, <laughs> you're putting yourself way up. Your practical experiences did it with others. Now you assess your situation. What were you like? You were twenty six years old or nineteen years old, whatever, and what did you know and and so forth and hmm, he's trying to tell you something that's beyond words. So somebody says, Just like this, and Chant Hare Krishna. Yes, it's your fault. God didn't do it. <laughs> Chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> hmm. Then you'll know. And if you, and unfortunately, if you don't apply yourself in that, years later you're arguing about these points. And, but it's, it's this is the Saddam. If you grew in that, you oh yeah, you can understand, and how, how how gracious he was, you know, to have got you over a kind of a stumbling block where you were really trying to arrest it with the fist of your intellect, hmm? and and he tricked tricked you, so to speak, you know. To, There, you got, is that fine? Good. Now, chant Hare Krishna. Unfortunately, sometimes we got the answer, but we didn't chant Hare Krishna. So then later on, you didn't get the experience that enables you to digest it at another level. Hmm? And that's what spiritual life is about. You're constantly joining at another level. You're constantly joining at another level. (laughs) This is what it is. Wow, I didn't know. Oh, that's what it is. Oh, that's what it is. Hmm? And all of them are true. Hmm? And especially true at different times, hmm? and that will go on forever. So it's pretty exciting. Right? <laughs> We're all students forever, given the nature of the course. Hmm? So yeah, it's something like that. Um, and another way to think about, of course, you know, if as I say, from the we go from the from the abade the non-dual perspective, there's only Krishna, right? Krishna, Krishna's energies they they're one with him. they're one and different, but let's go on one side for a moment. So there's nobody to blame. Krishna's doing what Krishna does. And as soon as we start to blame, you're in Maya. <laughs> there's no one to blame. Krishna's doing what he, what he does. And then if you go from the bade pers- from the bade perspective, then it's your fault. Hmm? You have some will, you're making choices. he's sanctioning them. Yes. Um, kind
1: of to piggyback what Pranada asked: If God isn't responsible, nor does He interfere with karma, then how does Krishna offer His um, His favoring among the devotees? Obviously through mercy, but how would that then affect karma?
0: How would that? It, how
1: would, would that
0: affect karma? Yeah, it does. Krishna's mercy is shown to us through His devotees. So Krishna's devotees are always in the world. And they're always showing mercy to the jivas. And that's overriding the karma. So Krishna's indirectly doing it. He can't be blamed. Maya can't blame him. Right. His devotees are doing it. And he can't control them. So, yeah. <laughs> they control him. <laughs> hey, I can't control him. But you're the Ishwar. <laughs> well, uh, so they say, but... Vrindavan Ishwari kidai. Mahara?
1: so um, so god creates the world and he's um kind of pulling himself and, he, and but then he gets bored he said he gets bored boring
0: oh that's another thing then, yeah
1: but so then he, there's the brazil Leela, where he because but he did say that he creates the world out of love yeah and then he gets bored but then he has the Leela with all his associates and he wants to get covered over because he doesn't like to be God. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I just it's just like it's like hard to understand of course.
0: Yeah, well these are of course just ways of talking about yeah. you know, uh, philosophical, theological truths of the of the scriptures. Um, um, and you know, when I make that argument I'm saying that omniscience, omnipresence These are problems, because if you know everything and if you're everywhere, you can't go anywhere and there's nothing to do because you already know what's going to happen. And so Brahman, Paramatma are omnipresent and omniscient. So that's just a way of saying that the Brahman and the Paramatma features of the Absolute, they are... um, they are there are aspects of Bhagwan that are not aspects of Brahman and Paramatma to the same degree, the loving aspect. Mm-hmm. And so in Bhagavan, you have this loving aspect, such it Ananda the Ananda is more fully manifest. And, and so there's Lila, you know, what's the Paramatma's Lila? It's, well, it's a witness, just watching, okay, uh, Sanction. Can, Maya can't do it without his sanction, so he sanctions. And then uh, and Brahman, you know, you can't even say what, what does he do. You can't even say he, and it's just Brahman. <laughs> uh, but, but Bhagwan, Narayan, and then if you go further, Krishna, this is Leela. Hmm? Leela corresponds with Ananda. So just, you know, it's a a cute way of saying it, but uh, we're saying that omniscience and omnipresence are not really desirable goals. Brahman, Paramatma are not really desirable goals for the jiva that has such it, is of such it Ananda, because the Ananda feature of itself is not going to be able to fully play itself out in relation to them. But in relation to Bhagwan. It can. Hmm? And so, this is all just a way of saying Paramatma and Brahman are derived, if you will, from Bhagawan. Hmm? I've given an example before, Shudha Maharaj used to like to say, there can be an existence that's not cognizant, but you can't have cognizance without existence. Do you follow? You could have something that exists that wasn't cognizant, but if something is cognizant, it has to exist. Now you could have a cognizant existence that wasn't a loving existence. But if you have loving, you have to have cognizance and you have to have existence also. Mm-hmm. So that's an argument for the idea that the loving feature is the is the primary feature. So Bhagwan is the full face of the Godhead. Paramatma and Brahman are partial faces. And the transcendental paths that lead to Brahman and Paramatma, also did not bring out everything in the Atma that ha- the Atma has, Jivatma as, as in, in potential, whereas Bhagwan, feature of the Absolute, does, and Krishna, in comparison to Narayan, for example, and all his avatars, even that much more. Hmm? So the play becomes—I mean, the play of Narayan. You know, and what's Narayan's leela? You know, he has different avatars, they do a few things here and there. But Krishna, Leela, this is where Leela really, you know, fully plays itself out. And in, 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 to go further with that, the full idea of Leela really only reaches its maturity in Vrindavan. Hmm? Because even Krishna in Dwarka has something to do, some duty. Hmm? He's establishing Dharma, and in Mathura, in Vrindavan, he's only playing. Hmm? And there's no, there's nothing to do there. Sometimes in the manifest lila in this world, it's said some demons from outside come there. Hmm? They're not there inherently. It's only a land of play. They come from outside, so he kicks them out. In the context of playing, hmm? he kills them in the context of playing. Steps on their. What can I do? Guy got in my way. I, you know, I stepped on his head. You know, it's like that. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> so. The full idea of Leela, the play, which corresponds with love, ananda, this is Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So it's just an argument for Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, if you will. And it just so happens that it is true that when you're bored, you, you play. So an omniscience, all-knowing, and omnipresence could, could bore you to death as much as now you might think they'd be really desirable. If I was everywhere at once, then then there'd be nowhere to go. <laughs> oh, man, that's a problem. If you knew everything, then he wouldn't act. Hmm? But Bhagavan is acting, so there's some unknowing in him, if you will, it appears, that is called Yogamaya. This yeah. hmm? so it's just uh, charming. It's not, you know, literal. Krishna's never bored, and Krishna didn't begin it sometime. It not like Brahman got bored and decided that would become Krishna, or, you know, <laughs> it didn't happen quite like that. Yes.
1: Question: You just mentioned um, that Paramatma sanctions Maya. Um, so, how does that differ from when you were saying earlier that Krishna doesn't interfere with Maya, but then as Paramatma
2: he
0: does? Well, not interfering means he doesn't. When when it's when she gives the karmic payback, he doesn't intervene and say no, lay off. He he goes, yeah, it's just. Mm-hmm.
1: But as a witness within the heart, he is active in a sanctioning kind of role. I, mean, I quite understand that. Well,
0: sanctioning has a positive connotation, is what you're saying, mm-hmm. and uh, witnessing doesn't. What I mean is, he doesn't interfere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't interfere with Maya in that in, in that sense. If he did interfere, then she couldn't do that. So. In the sense, by not interfering, he's sanctioning. Hmm? Yes.
3: Um, um, is it the ingress of the swoop shakti that is actually involved in "quote unquote," to use your terminology, kicking paramatma out of the heart, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Does, it, does it? And furthermore, does that kind of tangibly coincide with the devotee experiencing? the propeller of karma sort of no longer being electrified but still spinning in the sense that now Krishna's, you know, Swarup Shakti is guiding everything, obviously through the mercy of Guru and devotees, but does that, does that explain
0: that? Yeah, With the, as the Swarup Shakti makes a positive ingress, noticeable ingress, into the jiva, then it, it, it develops first a, a taste for bhakti. And the taste is specific. Therefore, it has a corresponding object. If it was generic, it would not have a corresponding specific object. So there's a taste before the stage of ruchi. You get a taste and you think, hey, I'm doing the right thing here. This is otherworldly. Hmm? Um, but it's not consistent, neither is specific. So in ruchi... Material desires are no, are no longer function, no longer have the role. Therefore, Mahāprabhu describes it, Nadanam na janam na I have no desires with regard to the world. Now, if I have no desires with regard to the world, I have no interest in the God that presides over the desires of the world, which is the Paramatma. So he says, Nadanam na janam na va So, I have no desire for wealth, the opposite sex, whatever, uh, uh, followers, neither knowledge for its own sake, kabitambha, jagadisha, kamaye. He's in a, sex, I, I, in a sense saying, I, I have no desire for the world that you're involved with, jagadish, neither you. Hmm? What is my situation then? Mama janmani janmanishpare. Babatat I don't care about transcending birth and death. I only have ahituki, desire, selfless, causeless desire for bhakti, and so he says mama janmani janmani shvare bhakti ahituki. So he uses jagadishwar jagadish twice, once in relation to the world. Hmm? You're out. I don't have any desires of the world, so I have no need for the Paramatma. Meanwhile, now I have desires for Bhakti. Hmm? And and corresponding, I can't have Bhakti unless it's in relation to someone. And that's my Pranishwar. So the lord of my of my life now hmm, is otherwise. And so, for example, then he takes Krishna, Shamsundar, into the heart. So this is the Beginning of a uh, in the later stages of sadhana bhakti, the ingress of sarup shakti, and yes, all that's being spelled out, unplugged. If you want to use that example of the electric fan, so in one sense it's unplugged at the very beginning, but sometimes we plug it back in for a few minutes uh, <laughs> and pull it out, and it says, nobody's looking. <laughs> so.
3: <laughs> Why is that still going? What's the deal? This doesn't work?
0: I don't know, yeah. So, we need to have a class on unplugging the, you know, over and over again. Unplug, it goes like this. Uh, You've got to keep it unplugged. Yeah. <laughs>
3: it, 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 is it, in some sense, is the preoccupation with karma itself something that holds back the devotee? Yeah, you know, wondering, am I still in karma, and getting anxious about it, and then essentially questioning what Krishna is doing in your life. I mean, eventually, don't you just have to give up trying to know and just, you know?
0: Well, I'll give you an example. There was a girl, and she was pregnant. Hmm? And she was getting near her due date. Hmm? And um, so. Um, she wanted to take a little rest, and it was imminent that she would go into labor. So she told her mother, "Mom, if I go into labor, wake me up, okay?"
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mom said, <laughs> "You'll know," uh, something like that. So <laughs> when the, when the, the karma's finished and and you're filled with bhakti, you, you, you'll know. You don't have to worry about it. You'll know. Hmm? It would be overwhelming. Therefore, it's described that the Vaikuntha airplane came and picked me up. I was sitting with Shidamrush once and his friend, and he said, and I had the experience, and I could understand what they meant, when they said, I said, Vaikuntha plane came and picked him up. I, I was taken away, I was lifted, you know, it, it, it was like going into labor, and it was, ah, oh, you know, was, everything very clear, like tasting, I said before, something like that. So he, he said, that's what they mean by that, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, there's nothing to worry about. Um, and um, spend a lot of energy like that. Where am I on the path? Where am I and how am I applying myself in my practice? You know, that uh, will be an issue at a certain point, And to the extent that I am unsteady in my practice, I know... My practice is unsteady. This is where I'm at, anishta bhajana and and um, it could make like nishta an interim kind of a goal. Hmm. That is a good idea. Um, and in a sense, these kind of talks and all whatever these discussions, they're going to help us to apply ourselves in such a way that that you just get or you, know, you get cornered and you, know, you have to apply yourself on the practical teachings keep the fan unplugged keep the practice and and um, and 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 and, and you know when you're making advancement you know nobody has to tell you you know Hmm? and you should make advancement every day so yeah practice better Hmm? so anyway nice to sit with you all and, uh, and chat and then we have a program tomorrow I understand it, what is it, at 2 o'clock? Two o'clock. At Radha Kanaalais, Kanaalai's Temple, mm-hmm. down the street. And uh, I have been asked to speak about the qualifications of the guru, so we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. We'll have, have a lecture about that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll have another program on Sunday, right? Yeah. Shri Gupinath ki Jai. Shri Sila ki Jai. Bhakti-raksha-kshita-dev-goswami-maharas ki jai, bhakti siddhanta saraswati chita ku ki jai, Shri-bhakti-vinod-parivar ki jai, Gaur-bhakti-vrinda ki jai, Gaur-premanande.